Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. God's love sometimes. Like really, really, like you get drunk on His love. That is, you're so overwhelmed with the revelation of His love that you, you're like, what kind of a God does this? Like, He's so unreal. You know, Philippians chapter 1, Paul, Philippians chapter 2, rather, from verse 1. We typically run from 1 to 5 and then run from 5 to, 5 to 11, which is the more popular passage in that particular chapter. But there's so much locked up in verses 1 to 4 that I would like us to pay some attention to this morning. Paul speaking, he said, if there be any consolation in Christ... We need to pay attention to these words. He says, if there be any consolation in Christ, he says, if there be any comfort of love, he says, if there be any fellowship of the Spirit, if there be any boils and mercy, he says, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife and vain glory. He says, but in lowliness of heart, let every man esteem others better than themselves. He says, look not on the things of, let no, look not on every man the things of his own things, all right, but every man on the things of others. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, but thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant, and then was made in the likeness of a man. And being found in fashion as a man, the Bible says he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things on earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. What is Paul trying to communicate here in Philippians chapter 2? Jab your neighbor if the person is not aware. Jab your neighbor. There's someone that is not yet aware, so we need someone to jab him or her and get the person aware. Remember, instinct versus awareness. By the way, let's celebrate Pastor Itero. Um, I had a very fantastic time listening to him last week. You know, I wasn't around, but it was such a beautiful time in God's presence, listening to God's word taught through his chosen vessel. Pastor Itero, I love you so much. And for the haunt that you keep, you know, spinning out of your heart every hunger games it's so remarkable let's celebrate the gift of god again well done sir amen so paul is saying if there be any consolation and it's almost as though paul is saying that this thing that i'm explaining to you is not obtainable in the earth realm he's saying that if there be almost as though this thing don't exist in this terrestrial habitats that we find ourselves he says if there be any consolation in christ if there be any comfort of love, if there be any fellowship of the spirit, if there be any bowels and mercies, he says, fulfill you my joy that you capture the essence of everything that I just mentioned and be like-minded. Having the same love, being in one accord and of one mind, he says, let nothing be done through strife and vainglory. He says, but in lowliness of mind, let every man esteem others better than himself. You don't find that anywhere on earth. Where I go to a place and I'm preferring my brother better than myself. I carry the worth that I ought to consume on myself. And I place it on a neighbor that is apart from myself. And I say that I have esteemed you better, higher, more valuable than I have esteemed myself. He says it's not something you find on the terrestrial. He says if there be, it exists in a plane that God brought down. Huh? He says let not every man look on the things of himself, but every man on the things of others. He now begins to say verse 5, let this mind be in you. That is this mind was never existent on earth. The earth is ruled and governed by the spirit of lust. The spirit of selfishness and carnal desires. He says, let this man be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That is, he was the first person that we found this dimension of heart in. 
Let this man be in you. You don't copy another man and find this heart in that person. You only get this type of mind from someone that came from above. That is, this type of thinking does not exist anywhere else. You don't go to the corporate world and you're expecting people to prefer you more than they prefer themselves. Everybody's trying to compete to ensure that he's the first foot in the door and he gets to the highest top of the zenith of his career ladder before you and it's all about them. Getting all they can, canning all they get and sitting on top of the can until those things in the can get to be spoiled and they don't care if it gets bad. As long as no other person gets access to it. Because that's the spirit of this world. That's the spirit of this world. Bible says let this mind be in you. This mind is not existent anywhere else. It says let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. What that means is that he did not see equality with God. Which was his actual status. As something that must be striven for or something you strive for or something that you jostle for. Something that once you occupy it, you never want to leave it like some types of African presidents. Once they get into an office, they never want to leave. Because they see that office of a presidency as something that should be grasped with both hands and never let go. Bible says he did not see equality with God as something that he must never relinquish. So he says, he did not count it robbery to be equal with God. Then what did he do? Bible says he made himself of no reputation. Ah. He made himself of no reputation. Then, so imagine an armor is a reputation. So he had that reputation as the word of God in the very beginning. Are you, are you with me? So he had that reputation as the word of God. Because in the beginning he was not Jesus. He was the word of God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was not any shade lower than God. The word was God. Alright. That's in the beginning. And Bible says he had a reputation. That is the whole world revolved around him. You know when they say the world does not revolve around you. Jesus can say that without being prideful. Because the whole world actually revolves around the word of God. The Bible says he, he suspends and uh, upholds all things by the word of his power. And for that to be possible everything has to circle and revolve around that word. Alright that's who Jesus was. And he had that reputation. But Bible says in an attempt to rescue a dying world. Humanity, mankind. Alright and rescue them from the victimization of the devil. What did he do? Bible says he made himself of no reputation. He stepped out of that reputation he used to have in eternity past. He stepped out of that reputation as God. Alright that we had of him in eternity past. And Bible says... He took upon himself the form of a servant. I need you to pay attention this morning. He says he took upon himself the form of a servant. And then he, because he took upon himself the form of a servant, then he was made in the likeness of a man. And Bible says the realities that became, that man became subject to found him as a potential attack spot. Because they couldn't attack him in his former reputation. So he left that reputation behind and then he came to this world. Bible says he was found in fashion as a man. That is, it was almost as though the elements that attacked men saw him and were like, ah, now you are in an attackable form. You we couldn't attack you before you left that reputation. But now that you have taken upon yourself the form of a servant and you are found in the likeness of a man, everything man is subject to, you become subject to it. He was not spared. Bible says, I'm being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient to the highest threat to mankind, which is death. So Bible says he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. But not just death, a special type of death. Bible says he became obedient unto death, the death on the cross. Wow. 
You see, because the death of the cross is a special type of death. It's not a normal death. It's a cursed death. All right? Cursed is anyone that hangs on a tree. Now, typically when you curse a person, you expect that the person will live enough or long enough to at least reap the consequences of the curse. Because a curse is given in someone's lifetime that now creates a vicious cycle that controls the realities of that person. So typically people don't curse you and then you die. You continue to live to reap the consequence of the curse. Do you understand? So Bible says his own curse was in death. That means that death, that curse was so powerful that it transcended death. You need to understand what I'm saying. Cursed is anyone that hangs on a tree. If he hangs on a tree to die, that means he's dead. But Bible says cursed is anyone that hangs on a tree. So that transitional method was the death on the cross. And that type of death was cursed. That means that death transcended his life. To begin to affect anyone that believes. That is any offspring of his is also cursed. Because that curse was beyond a lifetime. It was a curse that transcended into Hades. The curse that anyone who believes on this Jesus is cursed with. <laughs> this is why I can boldly say I went to hell with him. This is why I can boldly say that when he died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried. And because the power of resurrection is stronger than any curse that could have been placed on Jesus in death because he died on a cross. I'm also a recipient of the very blessings that came upon him at resurrection. Cursed is anyone that hangs on a tree. The Bible says he became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, both things in heaven, things on earth, and things underneath the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. But what inspired all of this? Don't you understand? Jesus left his reputation. Your reputation is what you are known for. Your reputation is what people knew about you. That is why when he left that reputation and came onto the earth, they couldn't recognize him. This is not the guy we used to know. This is now a carnal, mortal man. Subject to the beggarly elements of the world, including tiredness, hunger, and death. Jesus, the God of the universe became subject to the beggarly elements of this world just so that he could save you and I. Now, whenever we talk about that, we, we don't seem to have the revelation we need to have to understand the magnitude of that sacrifice. Do you know God is the only person that does not have the capacity to be proud? Do you know that? To be proud means to think highly of yourself. To think more highly of yourself than you ought. That is to think of yourself in a way that you ought not. To place yourself on a status, on a pedestal that you really do not deserve to be in. Do you understand that? To say you can do what you truly cannot. To say you are what you truly are not. There is nothing God can think of that he cannot do. There is nothing. So God could not possibly think of himself more highly than he ought. If he thinks he can do something, he has not just can do it. He, he has done it. If he thinks it, it is that powerful. The possibilities that lie in just the thinking of God. God has no possibility for pride because he is the height of all heights. He's the zenith of all um, aspirations. You, there is nothing higher than him. This is why the devil rather, he said, I want to be like. He couldn't find a space above God. He didn't say, I want to be higher than God. Because that is an impossibility. He says, I want to be like the most high. Because the most high is already the most high. There's nothing higher than the most high. God had no possibility of pride. And guess what he still does? He now humbles himself. And why did he humble himself? Because he saw... The possibility of spending eternity without you. And he said, no, I will rather subject myself, leave my reputation in heaven, come down to this earth, enter into the realities of these mortal men, get into their realities and get the chance of saving them. Because right now I am redefining what home means. Understand this. Understand this. He had to redefine what home meant for him. Angels and 24 elders and... Uh, the four beasts and all the celestial bodies. Yes, they were home enough, but he says there's still some 
set of people that I need to rescue because they are home for me. They are home. Understand this. They are home. They are not just forgotten and doomed and damned. They are home. And Bible says he came onto the earth. He went through the entire sufferings, the passion of the Christ. He went to hell because before he went to hell, there was no exit door in hell. Do you understand? There was no exit door in hell. Everybody that did not believe in him was doomed already. He that believes not is already damned, doomed. There is no exit door in hell. But Jesus provided the first exit door. And trust me, hell is not where you go after you die if you do not believe. Hell is where you already are in if you already do not believe. Because eternal life is not where you go when you die if you believe. Eternal life is what you already are experiencing right now if you believe. Do you understand? So hell is what every single person who is yet to believe in our Lord Jesus Christ is already experiencing right now. And the only exit door out of hell is Jesus Christ. He was the first person that broke through hell and came out on the other side. Not just alive, but glorified. Not just alive, but glorified. He was the first person that opened that doorway. Bible says he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. He led captivity captive. That is right in the devil's domot. He created a campaign, a parade, and he led captivity captive out of hell. And then he took the keys of hell and of death, put it in his pouch. And Bible says he lives forevermore. All of that for you. Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11 that both he that sanctifies and he that is sanctified or they that are sanctified. Bible says they are all of one and therefore listen to this. Therefore he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Hmm. That means the reason why he came for you was because he connected with you in a way that was much closer than the average connection. He called you a brother. He called you a sister. He called you family. He called you home. He called you family. So he said, uh, we are one. God removed himself from his original reputation as God alone, became a man, and then became the bridge between God and man. There is one mediator between God and man. Bible says that bridge is Jesus Christ. He's the God man. He shares in both reputations. He left that initial estate, entered into the mortality of mankind. And then so that he can have the chance of saving you. And then he said he did that because he called you a brother. And then this is where the magic is. The Bible says, therefore, he is not ashamed. Shame is a function of contradiction. That is the root word of shame. That's where shame emanates. So when you are someone of class and style and quality and opulence and affluence and all that, and then there is something that is consistent with you, that is a family member, a friend, whatever it is, that is not consistent with what you represent. We say that thing will bring shame because that thing is not consistent. So if I am a certain type of person, and that is why, of course, the, the old things that, or the things that our parents say when they say when a child is doing well in school is the son of the father, and when he's not doing so well, is the son of the mother, almost as though the man sees the child performing poorly as an object of shame and he doesn't want to identify with someone who has now shown himself to be a contradiction to where he represents or to who he represents he is the ideal like they will say they were always first you know he will he's the ideal the father is the ideal man he's the ideal he's always first and in a class of 30 parents all of them all of them there is no second in that class all of them were first that's what they will tell all of us and so if you get any position shy of that status you become a a shameful reminder right and so they distance themselves from you. So they only want to be they want to only connect with someone they are found to be consistent with what they expect their reputation to signify. Do you understand? So when a father or when a child does something that embarrasses the parents, they distance themselves from that child. Why? Because they say he's causing shame. Because shame is something that is introduced when there is a contradiction in realities. Ah, 
this is this is important for you to understand bible says god calling man brother does not cause him shame if anything could cause god shame that would have been it that how can a god call mortal men my brother my sister how he called you a brother he called you a sister and he says it does not cause him shame what causes us shame is associated with something that is not consistent with us that means by connecting with you and him saying it doesn't cause him shame is him elevating you to the same class of honor that he already occupies so the power of your shame is inferior to the power of his honor because there is a way a king will relate to a pauper in a city that the power of his honor as a king does not get contaminated with the shame component that that pauper is bringing to him it is his honor that is elevating that pauper to his own class because of the power of his honor there is a way holiness would mingle with dirt and it will not come to the level of dirt it will purify dirt because it is that holy because he is that honorable he's that awesome is that majestic he's associating with you does not bring him shame it brings you honor it doesn't cause him shame the bible says he's not ashamed he's not ashamed when your mother comes to visit you in school and you are ashamed it's a sign of bastard thinking right you are ashamed the person that birthed you you are ashamed to call them mother the person that gave birth to you, sponsored you through school, sweated whatever she fried on the street just to sponsor you to school. And then she comes to visit you on your campus. And because you're not rolling with the big boys, <laughs> you now look at your mother and you say she's no longer consistent with what you have called to be your reputation. You that you don't have any justification for alienation. You call people who you ought to call brethren. You say, no, they are different. When a God who had no business with mortality called man brother and he says he's not ashamed. That is, he looked at man. He said, I have elevated you eternally to a status where we can speak one to another. You don't cause me shame. I bring you honor. If God could call man home, how have men found ways to alienate themselves among humanity? How? That is, man to man, we can't call ourselves brethren. God to man, God said, you are my brother. But man to man, we say, no, you are a black man. Say no, I'm a white man. Say no, you are a yellow man. Say no, you you are a Latino, and then we create walls of partition amongst mortal men with the same destiny called hell. That except by the intervention of Jesus Christ, we that is our eternal destiny, all of us, except for the fact that Jesus chose to call you brother. And then because he called you brother, he chose to not have heaven without you. And so he became a man. So when he was coming down to the earth, he was not coming to a fallen world. He was coming to his family. He had seen you as brethren before he left his estate in heaven. Listen, not only those in the church are brethren. They are only brethren in the fold. They are brethren outside of the fold. We all are brethren. Because before Jesus left heaven, we all were dead in trespasses and sins. Nobody was saved before Jesus died. Were you saved? But he saw you and called you a brother. Before you had the chance of being saved. But you have the mouth and the guts to call those who are not saved. Those who are not brethren. Because they are not saved. They are brethren too. Because you were once in their status you were once in their shoes but then god called you brethren at that point bible says when you were yet a sinner christ died he died for you he died for you he died for you god called called you brethren he called you a brother he called you his siblings romans chapter 8 
Bible says from verse 15 God has not given us the spirit of bondage again to fear but a spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba Father for the spirit of God bears witness with our spirits that we are children children of God and if children then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus not 50-50 100-100 joint heirs with Christ Jesus that if we suffer together because of his curse uh, he was cursed. Cursed is anyone that hangs on a tree. Because of that curse, anyone that connects with him is cursed. Don't you understand? Anyone that connects with that curse is cursed because his curse was not in life. It was in death. Because he was cursed in death. So if we connect with him by faith, we became quote unquote cursed with him. So everything he experienced in hell, it was remitted into your account. It was accounted as if you went to hell with him. And in the same vein, if you resurrected, you also resurrect. And this is why once you say, I believe, resurrection happens in your heart. Just by saying that, just by putting your faith in him, because it's all tied. What happens to him happens to you. So, what was I quoting? Romans 8. He says, so if we suffered with him, we also will be glorified with him. So God calls man brethren, but man refuses to call his brother brethren. You know, that's the height of pride. Something happened two weeks ago. I, I'll probably be ending on that note, so I'll just share on that and I'll explain what I mean. Because I really think this is the bane of this teaching today. It may get you sober, but whatever it is, this is the word of the Lord unto you today, amen. We need to break out of our prides. We're a very proud people. We're a very proud bunch. It's the truth. We alienate too much. If God was half like you, you won't be saved. We alienate too much. He's, on, he's not on my level. He's, he's not my class. I can't be rolling with him. So, two weeks ago, something happened where, I'm sure we all know the Sylvester situation how he was bullied by some senior boys and beaten and lynched literally and then they asked him to take a substance that we do not know of and shipped him to his parents only for his parents to try as much as possible to get him some medical attention and help and he wound up dead and of course social media went agog for the next couple of days and, you know, a lot of things happened. Celebrities jumped on the news. Some of them made it about themselves. And um, after a while, the whole smoke went down. A few days after Sylvester's situation, 15 children were murdered, killed by a fast-paced truck at Ojodubega. I lived in Ojodubega for a couple of years, so I know the exact spot this happened. I heard of it that Tuesday it happened and I was sad. I was like, oh my God, what in the world? How could this have happened? And I sighed, said it is well, said a few over show and moved on at some point. And I moved on. And then the next day, the next day, my friend and brother calls me, Emeka, he says, Pastor, do you know mommy doing I said, which one is that? He said, mommy doing on our streets. I said, yes, I know mommy doing. Ah, doing that sweet girl. I said, he, said, he said, yes. He said, doing was part of the 15 that was killed. I lost my composure. I was like, what? Doing? In my wildest imagination, the day before when I heard the news, I could never imagine that she was involved. So I responded like I would respond to some distant type of news. But then the next day, hmm, the same news, but my knowledge of someone that was involved changed the entire dynamics. I wailed, I cried, my wife is a witness. I was like, what not doing? Not doing, for God's sake. When I stayed with Emeka for about a year, on that street, doing and her mom were the nicest 
nicest people I had ever met in a strange place. They were so kind, so warm. They were so hospitable. Don't you would tell me how she would help me get more and more, you know, one of those nights that I would come home with just bread and I just needed something and then she would go and buy it for me. She would have my change sometimes. I would leave it with her. She was so sweet, so kind for an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old doing died like oh dear God I had to pray that day I was like not doing now and then I spoke with a friend and then she mentioned something about how that you know our heart goes to the people and all of that that not even just because he just hit home and I couldn't I couldn't get my mind off that phrase hit home so the Holy Spirit rebuked me and said the reason why I'm mourning today is because it hit home that means my definition of home did not include those 15 that I had assumed were involved initially. My definition of home were the people that I know. And that's the fault in man. That's the virus in man. See, it had not hit home, so I couldn't mourn. It had not hit home, so bowels could not be released. It had not hit home, so there was no consolation. There was no love. It had not hit home, so I couldn't feel the pain of the mothers of those children. It had not hit home. It was just some unfortunate children crossing the street recklessly that got hit by some drunk or whatever kind of driver who had been chased by Lasma officials. It was just some unfortunate incident. I moved on with my evening because it had not hit home. Because my home did not cover them. My home only covered those that I knew. And I knew that there was a need for repentance. That is the problem of mankind. Because when COVID enters China, it has not hit home. And then it enters the United States of America, it is yet to get home. And then it gets to London, it has still not gotten home. And until it gets to Africa and then to Sub-Saharan Africa, oh, it is still it's coming home, but it has not gotten home. And then when it gets to North, hey, it's, it's home now, but it's not really home. Until it begins to get to your state, until it gets to your street. And the challenge is that we don't expect those things to get to us. It's almost as though we have an assumption that we are immune to the vicissitude of this, of this world because... Our own definition of home is very, very faulty. If it hit China, can we start praying in Nigeria? If it hits Japan, can we start praying as if it was a next door neighbor? Because Jesus did not wait for it to get home. He couldn't possibly even ever get home. Heaven is his home. But he said, earth is home enough. As far as it is, did you hear what Maro said about the light years away from the galaxies and the earth? So even if the COVID was traveling at the at the speed of light, it would take eternities for it to escape the galaxies before it begins to approach the sight of heaven, which it may never get to at the end of the day. It would never have affected him. Sin could never have affected Jesus. But he said, if it affected the least of these, it has affected me. They are home. But we amongst our humanities, amongst our own humankind, amongst our brethren, we still have a way of delineating and separating and distinguishing and differentiating and just checking out the similarities. I said, this one is my own home. That one is not really home. And so if the Northern Christians are getting persecuted every single day, we care nothing about it. If herdsmen are killing folks all around the world, we care nothing about it because it has not gotten home. Because home for us is our father, our mother, our children, our, our siblings, our brothers, and our few church members. And that's all we call home. That's the fault of mankind. If Jesus did that, only the angels and the 24 elders and the four beasts would have been sitting cozy in heaven and enjoying the pleasure of paradise. But Jesus said, no, I would rather, I would rather enter into a den, a hole where I don't have any idea what's going to happen to me. I enter into the realities of this man who I have no business connecting with, who I have no business calling my brethren. Adam caused the sin. It is not supposed to be my responsibility to get them out of it. Whoever caused the sin should fix it. I don't have a business here. But he said, these ones are my home. If I don't step out of heaven, they will remain doomed for life. He entered hell and created an exit door because he called you brothers. Because he called you brethren. But then amongst the brethren, we keep delineating and differentiating and separating. And we say, no, we are secure, safe, and fine. Others can go to hell, literally, because they are not home enough. The Bible says, if there be any consolation in Christ, if there be any comfort of love, if there be 
any fellowship of the spirit if there be any bowels bowels are your seat of pity your seat of empathy your seat of compassion that's what bowels are do your bowels move when you hear this news or you just contribute your own social voice on social media and after two days it's all gone do you get into intercession do you get your knees to bend and then you are feeling the exact agony that a woman who just lost her only child by the way though he was her only child and for as long as i was on that street i did not see a father figure in their lives that woman struggled every single day to put that child in school and for some reckless driving that child died a meaningless death one of the sweetest girls i've ever met in my life and someone hears it and says it is well because it was not their daughter and someone carries their child their politicians they earn money to govern and they carry the money meant for governing and they sponsor only their children to schools abroad and fly themselves to go and get some medical attention abroad because well at least their home is secure and anyone else can go to hell that's the problem of humanity the fact that we do not extend the borders of our definition of home to get to the very ends of the world the way jesus defined his own home we keep making the home smaller and smaller until it gets to us martin martin O'Neillar, what's that his name again he was a german lutheran pastor this was at the wake of the Nazis' persecution of the Jews, where there was the Holocaust. Six million Jews suffered victimization because some Hitler said they are not home. They are different. And his own agenda was to make the whole world a species of superior beings like his. And he attempted to wipe out the entire, the entire lineage of the Jews. And then this man said, ah, what a fault in thinking. What a fault in the thinking of humankind. He says, when they came for the socialists, he says, I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. And he says, after the socialists were taken, they came for the trade unionists. And he says, and they took the trade unionists. And I did not speak because I was not a trade unionist. And then, he said, afterwards, they came for the Jews. And because I was not a Jew, I did not speak out. And then, after they came for the Jews, they came for me me and then he said there was no one left to speak out for me because all the opportunities I had to speak out for family for home I continued to neglect it until home became so small I became homeless and no one could speak for me I became homeless so when the attacks came to me there was nobody left the Jews were gone the trade unionists were gone the socialists were gone and I was the only one left. So there was no one left apart from me. So they took me. They took me. If Christians will stop having this herd mindset, this cultist mindset, we against them. We will get the world saved in a bit, in a heartbeat. We will get the world saved. In 30 years of the people who received the direct word from Jesus, of they expanding the frontiers of the gospel after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, without social media, Instagram, and all the Facebook, and all the ads, and advertisement, and phone, and nothing, not, none of such things. In 30 years of the known world at the time, the disciples got the word of God, the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth because they did not define their own by their geographical location, the color of their skin, or their biological genealogy. They said Jerusalem to Judah to Samaria onto the uttermost part of the earth the uttermost part of the earth is our home not just Jerusalem we may start from Jerusalem but we don't stop in Jerusalem because Jerusalem ought to lead to Judea to Samaria and then to the uttermost part of the earth this is the secret to impact this is the secret to impact. The moment you stop defining your home as that little corner of yours with your siblings where you're all cozy, putting your leg in the pool, go on vacation a couple of times in a year, come back and enjoy a lounge. As long as your life is good, every other person can go to hell. If you stop thinking like that, you step into greatness. Because every single person God used in the scripture, he had to elevate their thinking beyond their four corners, beyond their little dormitory or beyond their little street. He said, Abraham, are you willing to be the sacrifice so that you can be a blessing to the ends of the earth so that all the families in heaven and on earth will be blessed through you david are you willing to carry this 400 disgruntled dejected indebted men are you willing to call them brothers train them like your own younger brother train them and put everything you have inside them are you willing to father them 
like they were really yours. Once you do that, then you become ready for kingship. Joseph, are you willing not just to serve your own personal um, dreams and aspirations? Are you willing to serve Potiphar, a man you just met in a strange land? Are you willing to serve him like your own life depends on it? Are you willing to give an interpretation to butler and bakers to a pharaoh who is mean, evil, and weak? Are you willing to call him brother? And beyond that, are you willing to just not save Israel but the entire known world at the time? Because if only Israel had survived that famine, Israel was also going to be a casualty some years down the line. But Joseph had to adopt the whole world for that emancipation, for that economic transformation. He couldn't just be thinking of himself and Asenath and his few boys. He had to adopt Jacob and his 70. And then from Jacob and his 70 to 3 million Jews inside of Egypt. And then from then he had to adopt the entire world. Because it was only by Joseph's intelligence that the world survived that time, that famine. Without Joseph, the world would have become a collateral damage except Israel. But what is Israel without the world? What is Israel without the world? We need to redefine what home means. You're saved, but there's several people who are not saved around you. But because they are not home... It does not hit home. So why mourn? Why have bowels for them? Why feel the anguish of hell in advance? Why? Well, you are saved. You are fine. You are home and dry. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. They can remain outside of the commonwealth for all you can. Without God, without hope in this world. Destitute. They can as well rot in hell. But you are cool. Yeah, using all the principles you're getting from scripture to get your career ongoing, climbing the ladder, chop chop like a like a pro. And at the end of the day, you have a house in Bahamas, a couple in Lekki, and then you go on vacation here and there, and you're fine. That's the problem. From the top to the bottom of the pyramid. That's the problem. Because give a poor man funds, that's exactly what he's gonna do. So it's not so much about the economic status, it's about the corruption in our mind. It's about the corruption in our mind. We need to extend the borders of our definition of home. We need to extend it. Because if you were the one drowning, how would you like to be saved? Casually, someone is pressing phone, using his phone to observe you drowning. While you gasp for your last breath, someone is using you for a social media sensation. Casually walking, strolling by. Oh, you're drowning. Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't get my shoes wet. I'm sorry. Or you would like someone to get just as desperate as you are just to get you saved. That's the mindset. That's the mindset. That you are fine does not mean every other person is fine. You are not the world. You're just a little speck of it. Your passion every single day is to ensure that the blood that Jesus shed for the world doesn't go wasted. So you're looking for every single person to dip into that blood <laughs> and get them washed. Because he spent it for everybody. Every single last one of us. So what do you call home? Who do you call home? Mommy, doing? if you're watching this, I, my heart goes out to you and your daughter. I'm sorry about what happened. You, you trained one of the most remarkable young ladies I've ever seen in my life. In my life. She lived on the street. She had every reason to be rude and tacky and dirty and you know with an attitude but she was the nicest kindest warmest to think that someone as angelic as that died in such a gruesome way is so so disturbing luke chapter 13 and this is the mindset of a lot of christians and we need to change it what we're doing i celebrate the grace of god upon you i know god will comfort you in ways that no man can and not just you, but every single parent that lost a loved one in that very, very unfortunate incident. We send our consolation. We send our boils. We send our love. We send our comforts. We send our heartfelt condolences to you. And we say that God of all comfort will comfort you in your tribulation. And ensure that you will receive some respite and relief in this time and even beyond. In the name of Jesus. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13 verse 1, Bible says, There were present at the season some that told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. 
Verse 2, and Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no, but except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or these 18, more like the 15, upon whom the tower of Siloam, the truck driver being chased by Lasma, and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? He says, no, I tell you. Because except you repent, it shall all likewise perish. Never use the unfortunate situations of people as a possibility or an opportunity for testimony. It's not godly. He says, listen, you are not better than those who died. They are not worse off. It's because we live in a fallen world and we all are subject to the fallen nature of this world. And so if those things happen, get into intercession. Let your bowels come out. Let the seat of your pity, empathy, and sympathy, let it just groan. It's not just rejoice with those who rejoice. We want to hear. We want to mourn with those who mourn. Because there are brothers that just passed. There are sisters that just passed. They're, they're, that, that home doesn't have to get to your home before it gets home. If it gets to China, it's already home. Because if Jesus thought like you, nobody will be saved. Every single person you see on the street is home. If we all thought like that, the world will change in an instant. Literally. I lived on the street of a certain senator or minister of works. Minister of works and housing in Ikorodu. This man was the minister of works and housing. This man tagged the road of his house from the main street to his doorstep. And left the entire street to languish in flood. Bad roads. Because his own doorstep was fixed. He was the minister of works and housing. The entire street is named after him. Three of them. Listening to this, he knows me. If he's listening to this, you know you are the one I'm speaking to. Three of your brothers colobied the entire space. One after the other. Three of them like that. Tied the road to his own doorstep. Left the entire street. His own street. Because his children did not live on those, in those houses. That's the mindset. Some of those parents attempted to carry their children who were not Sylvester. Who were responsible for his death. As rumored. This may not be confirmed. Tried to take them away. So that they can escape the, the long hand of, of the law. There is a law that is longer than the hand of the Nigerian constitution. Huh? We need to rearrange our mindset. When you earn every, every month, are you only thinking about yourself? So this is a sober reflection because that's what Christmas represents. He didn't have to come. And you know why he didn't come as a rich kid? Because everybody has a poor ancestor. If he had come as a rich kid, he would have alienated some people. So he came at the very bottom of the pyramid. Because no matter how rich you your, and your father and your father's father were, a father in that lineage was poor. So he came to equalize everybody. And he was born in a manger. Where sheep would poop and drink and eat. That was where he was born. The king of glory was born there. Just so he could have an attempt and a shot at saving Tosin. Just because of you. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame. The Bible says, on that day when he was being flogged, it's just for respect and dignity that people put a white towel around his loins. He died naked. He had nothing on. He died naked. The Bible says he had no form nor comeliness. No beauty that we should even attempt to look at his face. We did as it were hide our faces from him. We considered him smitten, stricken of God and afflicted. That same person bore our infirmities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and because of him we have some peace. Because of him we can say we are saved. Because of him. And then we would not take the next step in the value chain of salvation to preach that gospel to others and give them a chance as well at life, eternal life. Stay in our comfort zone, come to church, hola, hoo-hoo, play games, do hunger games, 
pray, pray for our destiny and our future. Read our Bible so that we can secure our own lives. And several people dying around us. I'm careless. And we play recaps. Show, we do recaps. Put it on your status. If that's the least you will do, that does not really represent me. It's not cool. I want to roll with the big boys. It's not the coolest thing to do nowadays, to share recaps. The word of God is stale. It's not the coolest thing to share. If my life is defined by the word of God, it's defined by the highest already. Bible says, Paul speaking, I'm not ashamed. That is, the gospel is not something to be ashamed of. It's the least practiced exercise in Christian faith. Because we still have a lot of people who are ashamed. What saved you? You're ashamed of it. Such hypocrisy. Such hypocrisy. The drug that got you healed, you're ashamed of it. And you see people dying around you and you're ashamed to recommend the same medication. Such hypocrisy. Not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to all them that believe. First the Jews and then to the Greek. Every one of us here today needs to repent. Because I repented that day because I realized that the people that I had assumed were affected were not home. So we need to redefine what home means. Jesus came home to save his brothers so he could take them back to his father. In either dispensations, he was home. He was home on earth. He's home in heaven. He's home everywhere. And he's one of the few people that can actually claim that kind of status. He's home in earth, on earth and in heaven. He's home on earth because he's with his brothers. He's home in heaven because he's his father. I will say, I go to make a place for you. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If they were not so, I would have told you. What's your home? I'd like you to redefine what home means today. Home is everyone on your streets. Home is everyone in your state. Home is everyone in this country. Home is everyone in Africa. Home is everyone in this world. Home is every single human being that Jesus died for. Those you cannot meet physically, pray for them. Those you can meet physically, be the cause of the gospel to them. Father, we give you praise. Thank you for convicting our hearts this morning. We ask that as we celebrate Christmas, we wouldn't just celebrate it hypocritically and have fun, enjoy, and reminisce on old-time memories. We will go out and do the very reason why you came in the name of Jesus. For in Jesus' precious name we've prayed. Because now you understand the magnitude of the sacrifice that Jesus paid. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Powerpoint Tribe.